this is the Catars podcast, Food for the Journey. Season 5, Episode 1. Holistic Health, the Body. Hi, I'm Michael. Welcome back to the Catalyst Podcast and welcome to Season 5. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you and to be making this episode for you. And I've got some fantastic material that I'm going to be sharing with you in Episode 1 of Season 5 and hopefully all throughout the, the season. So if you get yourself a cup of tea or a favourite brew that you have or if you're out walking, listen up got some really good stuff for you. So firstly, I'd like to say a massive thank you to our ongoing, supportive, amazing sponsor who are the Masterclass Sessions, world-class talents from the best people in the world, and they have online sessions that you can book on every month to learn from them. And if you send me a quick message to michael at catalyst.co.uk, or if you comment on social media about our podcast, you'll be entered into the draw. And every month we will pull out a real person who can um, have access to the Masterclass sessions, a full year's membership, completely free. I delivered a Masterclass session just over a year and a half ago, and I go to them as often as I can. They're absolutely brilliant. So click on the link in the show notes if you'd like to um, check out the Masterclass sessions, or like I say, do those things if you'd like to enter in the competition. And in this season, I'm going to have a second competition So to celebrate the release of my second book, Loving Leadership, if you do any of those things that I've just said, you will also be put into our second competition and we'll pull out one person a month for the chance to win either of my books, Holistic Happy Guidelines for Holistic Happy Healthy Life, which is my first one, bit of a tongue twister, and the second one, which is Loving Leadership, so you can pick which one you want and you'll be sent a signed copy of the book. So when I first wrote this book, it was over five years ago, as I'm making this now, and it was before I even had a business. And what I thought would be fantastic is to celebrate and go through the material that I've written over these two books and to add extra bits and to go deeper into certain areas. And if you've read the books, to give you something extra and you think, oh, I didn't know that. But equally, if you've never read the books, you'll be able to understand, hopefully, and enjoy these podcasts. So let's look at the first one. The body. Now, as I always say, with anything to do with your health, make sure that you speak to a relevant professional, speak to your GP, your local doctor, speak to a counsellor, psychotherapist, get a personal trainer. These are just guidelines. These are just things that I've learned that I'm passing on to you and that we're talking about here. But make sure, like I do, you work with professionals and you have what I call your support team. So for my body, I have my GP, I have my local doctor's practice I go to, anything physical, I will go to them. And I also have my personal trainer, Chris. So hi, Chris. I'll put Chris's details in the show notes. If you want a personal trainer online or group classes or one-to-one, this guy has gone above and beyond for me over the last few years, training me in all sorts of ultra marathons and craziness. He's so patient, he's so kind, and you need people like that when it comes to supporting you to look after your body and and push it but also to take care of it. Chris has been very very good at helping me to take care of my body. So the relationship with my body is an ongoing one and it's been through all sorts and you might have heard of that phrase um, body dysmorphia where you see something that's a little bit different to what your body actually looks like. I think I've had that borderline for a lot of my life where you think you know you think you're fatter than you are or you think you're you're this way or you think that I think a lot of us we don't see as we are we and what other people see of our bodies we look completely different we think it looks better or worse so I think I've been borderline on that for quite a while because I've always tried to grow and improve and change my body to be the best version of itself so 
The reason I'm saying that is these are, again, just guidelines and things that I think are useful for a body. But we always have to be careful that we're not just chasing some perfect image because you're never going to get there. And I've learned that through experience. So that's something straight away that I think is worth adding to this section is to take care of your body and just love it and respect it for the amazing thing that it is. When it comes to the body and it comes to the first section of the book, I mentioned a few things. I mentioned weights, doing cardio, measuring your heart rate, the importance of nutrition, flexibility, and then what I called helping yourself or bringing it all together. So I'd like to visit each area and I'd like to touch on what I think is still relevant from when I wrote it and add some extra bits and also give you, as always, some suggestions of people that you can go to who are, honestly, some of these people I've got for you today, they will blow your mind when you see what the human body is actually capable of. So doing weights. Do I still think that you should be doing weights? Absolutely. Resistance training? Yes. Body weights, going to the gym, using weights? Definitely. Any form of resistance training, just Google the benefits of weight training sensible, careful, planned weight training, absolutely brilliant. If you're, you know, obviously from a certain age, maybe, I don't know, 16, 18 onwards, then, you know, people train as gymnasts with body weight resistance from as children. So as late as I trained my dad when he was in the late 60s, and I know people that are still weight training in the 70s and 80s. So it's not really an age thing with weights. It's more about understanding just how amazing it is. When you do weight training, when you tax your central nervous system, your body doesn't like it, right? And it goes, right, well, that was horrible. Um, we need to grow stronger and bigger muscles to be able to deal with this load. And guess what? It happens. It's so cool. And I've been injured recently for the last few months and I've not been able to do weight training for three months, which is the longest I've ever had to go without in 18 years. So that has really reminded me the value of weight training when it's taken away from you, when you can't do it, because your muscles, if you don't use them, you lose them, they atrophy, they go down, they shrink, you know, they don't totally disappear, but they're not as strong and things like that. So weight training is a must. There's a reason why I started the book in the first section with it. It's an absolute must. Even runners and people that do a lot of cardio and aren't really into lifting heavy weights can still benefit from forms of weight training. If you don't work out at all, but you just practice sitting down and standing up from your chair. That's the form of leg training for your legs that will stop you from falling over, which is the number one thing that can lead to people breaking their femur, which can actually lead to killing you if you're older. So weight training benefits, definitely up there. So that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Obviously, the thing you have to do is you have to be careful with it. And one thing I would add that I didn't put in the book is that it ties you out in a really different way. If you have a cardio session or a class or Zumba or keep fit or you're for a run, and you often feel energized. After a weight training session, I feel exhausted. I feel low. I feel weak. It's not a sign doing anything wrong, by the way. It's just a very different type of tiredness. So potentially don't expect to feel great after a weight training session. You might feel a bit rubbish. It's not a bad sign at all. Second one recommendation I put was to do cardio. And yes, I still recommend that you should do cardiovascular training. You should get out of breath. And I talked about having three levels to it. So the top level is like you're running, you're sprinting, you're jumping, you're swimming, you're martial arts, you're rugby, you know, really high impact stuff. And then the second level is more kind of your swimming and it would be jogging and it would be maybe dancing, depending on the type of dancing. And then your lowest level is just walking, moving. And I still 
definitely believe that it is the lowest level, the walking level that you should be doing the most of. If you think of it like a pyramid, right? You do the most intense one, the least, and the walking the most. Because this is, one I, this is something I wanna add to this section that 100% has been proven in my life and I think a lot of people's lives as we've come through the COVID pandemic have been sitting down too much. We all hear we should move more and we should sit less. But does the you know does it really go in? Do we do you know why it's been you've been told that that's a, a good thing or a bad thing? Well, there's a phrase that I want to suggest called active sedentary. Now I literally can't remember where, where I read this or if I even, I don't think I made it up at all. But sorry I can't quote you where I got this from. But it's a brilliant phrase and I'd like you to keep it in mind for the rest of your life when it comes to movement, because the people that live the longest are not the people that exercise. Just Google the people that live to be 100. They don't do exercise classes. They just move every day as much as possible. And when we're active, very active, that's great. When we're sedentary, we're sat down, we're not moving. Your muscles switch off, right? They just bleh, don't do anything. And a real issue and a real problem that I've definitely been through, and I know a lot of personal trainers, Chris has been telling me about this, and a lot of people go to the gym and do these classes have told me about, is a problem called active sedentary. So is this you? You sit down a lot. So you get up and you have breakfast, you go to work or you're working from home, you sit down for like three, four hours in a row. And then you might do a lunchtime class or an evening class where you spike your heart rate and you run and jump and do all sorts of crazy stuff. Because I've got to get it in, got to get my workout in. And on one level, that's really good. But then you go back to sitting and being sedentary. So if you imagine like a graph going along, like a straight line at the bottom, like and it spikes and goes back down, that is active sedentary. Now, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily, but what I've learned really helps is rather than just be sat down loads and then have one moment of intense exercise where your body thinks, uh, excuse me, what are you doing to me? Building in those cardio level, those movement level aspects to your movement throughout your day. So you're not sat down for three hours, you sat down for 20 minutes, then you get up and you move around. If you're working from home, this is perfect. You can set timers. But the value in walking and movement is second to none. So as I've been injured, I've been walking so much more. And guess what? It's the best fat burner on the planet, hands down. Now people say, oh, it's high intensity training, high intensity cardio and things like that, hit training. Yeah, great. Also very good. Do both, right? But the majority of it, you're not going to do hit training for four hours. You're not even going to do it past 20 minutes. The majority of your movement can just be this low level kind of walking around. Honestly, I know it's not cool. It's not particularly sexy, but just put it into your life. You put that movement, that daily movement into your life. It's amazing. So where am I at now with it? I'll tell you exactly what I do. Before breakfast now, I'll walk for an hour. I'll get up because most people, we feel rubbish, don't we, first thing in the morning. So just get up, trainers go on, out the door. Don't need to feel great. Nope. Don't care. Just close on, trainers on, out out the door. In an hour, at a good pace, you could walk about 6,000 steps, which is over half of what is recommended for a day. And by the way, 10,000 a day, that's a lot. So build up to it. I'm only up to nine at the time of making this. Yeah, 9,000 a day. Still plenty. So you've got 6,000 steps, an hour's worth of cardio done before you even have breakfast. How easy is that? And then the rest of the day, you can just tie it up as you go. Now, it's not about chasing numbers. It's not trying about getting certain things in. It's about saying to your body, hey, hey, we move. This is what we do regularly. And sometimes we sit down, as opposed to we sit down and sometimes we move. So that's one that I really wanted to add some more value in because I really feel that active, being active sedentary is a massive issue. So I'll say it again. It's not just sit down loads and then kill yourself at the gym and sit down loads. 
moving more general movement you'll feel so much better measuring your heart rate is linked into this and it's strange that if you measure your heart rate regularly you'll find it seems to go down almost by magic and again just try it get a free app on your phone and measure your heart rate and it'll be whatever it is measure it i don't know a few times a week always at the same time so never after eating food uh, never after exercise because it'll just be faster first thing in the morning or when you're last thing at night when you're when you're relaxed when you're not really doing anything because that's when you get a fair reading of it and just see what happens to it the lower your heart rate generally speaking within reason the longer you live people that live longer are healthier have lower heart rates loads of lower resting heart rates your heart is more effective so again these are almost like the hidden goodies <laughs> you don't go past someone on the street and saying look at his resting heart rate amazing not so much but if you want to live a long healthy happy life moving a lot and having a low resting heart rate will get you there again just google this stuff i'm not making it up so measuring the heart rate definitely keep that up when it comes to nutrition i made several suggestions about um having you know quite a lot of protein having protein carbs and fats not starving yourself of any major what they call macronutrients getting the micronutrients in from the vitamins and the minerals and do i stand by all that still yes 100 percent that's not changed at all in five years. And if anything, it's gone even deeper. So before, um, I used to be, ve- sorry, I am vegan. And I wasn't vegan when I wrote the book at all. But all of the principles that I wrote about, about saying you need to have your protein and your carbohydrates and your fats, don't leave out any food groups, eat a wide variety of fruit and vegetables, you know, basic good stuff, any person will tell you. It still stands true. And you can do that as a vegan. You can do that if you're not vegan at all. You can do it as a vegetarian. It doesn't matter. And I'm not going to try and say you should eat a certain way at all. No, no, not at all. So it's really good for me now to reflect that those principles still apply. I'm just applying them in a certain way as a vegan, right? So it's really cool to to have revisited that and think, yeah, it's still really true. Really, really true. And protein, generally, we don't get enough protein. And you, you see all sorts of stuff about um, that, you know, people say oh, high protein chocolate bars and all this kind of stuff. If it sounds a bit too good to be true, usually is. But getting in the proteins and carbs and fats, tracking what you eat, eating what you want every once in a while, making sure you're getting in lots of vitamins and minerals from those real fruits and vegetables, definitely not change anything at all. Flexibility is a really interesting one. Because as I've gotten older, I've realized that I don't want to just be able to do stuff like active sedentary. I don't want to be able to just lift a certain weight or run a certain speed. If most of the time I feel like an old man or I'm just tottering around going, well, you should have seen me last week when I was in my prime. And the one thing that I've found that can help you to feel just good, just, you know, you just feel like, oh, I'm relaxed. Maybe you've had a long day, you've had a hot shower or you've passed an exam, or you've won a new client, or your child said, I love you, daddy, something like that. And you think, yeah, I just feel good, you know? Flexibility can do that. We carry so much tension, and it's really interesting. I learned how to do the splits age 30, because I was inspired by Niall Wilson, the British gymnast. And most people think, oh, I'm really inflexible, I can't do that, I used to be able to do that, not anymore. The way I think about it is, we're naturally flexible, we just build a lot of tension, especially in our um, on our groin area and our hip flexors and our hamstrings tighten up from just too much, again, sitting down, being active sedentary. So really work on your flexibility. Obviously, be careful with it. But I've found 
that flexibility and being able to just squat down or bend down and pick something up moving freer oh it feels so much better your body just relaxes everything just flows so working on your flexibility and it's contrary to what a lot of people think people that are weightlifters think oh, i can't be flexible if you wait lift weights that is not true in the slightest you can be both 100 percent. and i wanted to give you an example of somebody who's really inspired me very recently actually i um listened to his book on audiobook and his name is henry fraser and the book is called The Little Big Things. So what have we just talked about? We've talked about your body and said, right, we don't want to have an unhealthy relationship with our body. So let's not go chasing some perfect image. But let's try and do some form of resistance training and do some cardio, some movement. Let's measure our heart rates and eat well, be flexible. But all of that still feels like an element of performance almost, doesn't it? You know, like a tick list. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Well, Henry Fraser is reminding me in his book, The Little Big Things, it's all about focusing on what you can do and being grateful for what you have. And he was injured and became paralyzed from the neck down. And what I love about Henry is, first of all, he paints pictures with a brush using his teeth. And he's a better painter than I'll ever be. So first of all, his results are incredible. But he really embraced what he couldn't do anymore. He didn't sit there and go, well, one day I'll be cured. He was like, no, this is, I can't do this stuff anymore, but I can do this. And me with my silly injury, it really put it into perspective. So I definitely recommend you just listen to it or read it. He's an incredible man. But the reason I mention him is it's about, I feel now, a few years on, about going beyond the programs, going beyond the 12 week Instagram transformation, going beyond the low body fat, going beyond the PB, going beyond the marathon, whatever it is. It's about now, I think, about embracing that responsibility to find your own way and to be healthy consistently. So whether that's me rehabbing myself through an injury or whether it's just learning to like what I see in the mirror or whether it's understanding that at certain times in the day and certain weeks, your body is going to look completely different in the mirror. And most of the time, nobody notices anyway. And a picture is just mainly all about lighting. It's never about how you actually look. It's about embracing that responsibility to take care of yourself because that's what Henry did. He had to be helped, definitely. But he realized, huh, it's on me, how I see my body and see myself and see what I am capable of. And that's the thing I would say. A lot of these modern problems that we have, we almost want other people to take them away for us. And I'd say that's not the way forward. It's about saying, right, I've got this body. What can I do with it? No matter what it is, no matter what it looks like, what shape it is, what you can't do, right? I've got flat feet and poor eyesight, double jointed limbs. I've got all sorts of craziness going on in my body. So I can still do some stuff with it. So I wanted to also to finish by giving you two examples of men that are absolutely astounding in what they're capable of. One is a man called Rich Roll. Rich Roll is an ultra marathon, an ultra um, athlete, does all sorts of incredible things. And he's vegan, but I thought, well, I don't make it biased towards vegans. <laughs> so I gave you, I'll give you somebody who's not a vegan at all. And he is known as the Iron Cowboy. Just Google the Iron Cowboy and look at the 100 Iron Mans that he did in 100 days. And what a human being is really capable of when he applies most of the things I've been talking about today and takes responsibility and for his own body and looking after himself and goes, right, got this body what can I do with it? And that's the message I'd say five years on from writing this book. Most of the material still relevant. It's 
but it's taking it further. You have a body. It's got some great stuff about it, some stuff you probably don't like as well. So is mine. <laughs> what are we going to do with it? And what can we do with it? And how can we look after it? So I hope that's been helpful for you. In the next episode, we're going to be looking at your mind. And until we talk again, just remember two things. Just take something from today. Maybe check out Henry Fraser or Rich Roll or The Iron Cowboy. Or think about, oh, active sedentary. Yeah, maybe I could move a bit more. And apply it for a few weeks. See if it helps. It's not going to hurt. Make sure you reach out to those professionals, those people that can help you, best in the field. And even if you don't, right, just know that right now, the start of season five, somebody loves you very, very much. Okay? Take care. And speak soon. Today's random positive fact, I love this. I learned this from Sir Steve Redgrave, the famous Olympic rower. Did you know that your heart is the only muscle that never tires? And he also taught me that it's the only part of your body that doesn't work at 100% efficiency on its own, meaning you've got to work out, you've got to exercise, and it becomes more and more efficient and better the harder you work it. 